Thank you, worship team, and good morning, church. Merry Christmas once again. Uh, must be I'm sick this morning, a little under the weather. That means it must be time for Christmas. <laughs> it seems like every year. Uh, yeah, this is the time of year when you know expectations and anticipation is just building uh, for the Christmas season. Uh, no matter how you break it down, whether it's seven shopping days left or eight sleeps or you know. One more Advent candle, two more sermons. Uh, it all means that Christmas is going to be here very soon. And we just want to continue getting our hearts ready uh, to celebrate Christmas. And to do that, I would encourage you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 2. And we're going to continue our series. We're doing a series called The Three Kings of Christmas. Um, and this morning to do that, I'm going to do something I almost never do. Because uh, I'm actually going to preach on the same passage twice. And not just twice, but I'm going to basically do it back to back. Because if you'll remember, we, we looked at the same passage two weeks ago when we talked about King Herod. Uh, now we're going to look at the same passage, but this time we're going to focus instead upon the wise men. The so-called three kings uh, that we hear about in song and story at Christmas time. And we read about them in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. If you'd like to follow along with me, I'm going to begin in verse 1. It says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born the king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them that, that what time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word, so that I, uh, too, may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them till it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Going into the house, when they saw the child with Mary his mother, they fell down and they worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Let's pray. Father God, as we look at this, this piece of the Christmas story, as we look at the wise men, Lord, I pray that, Lord, our hearts would just be focused um, to seek you out, just as they sought you out. That, Lord, in this moment, in these days leading to Christmas, that, Lord, you would be our focus. That, Lord, our hearts would be tuned to finding our Savior and pursuing you with all that we are. And Lord, we just ask that you would be in our time this morning, uh, that Lord, you would send your Holy Spirit, that we might hear from you, uh, and that Lord, you might 
lead us uh, to truth about Jesus and, and the Savior who was born so long ago, whose Christmas uh, birth we celebrate even today. Um, Lord, we invite you in to our time this morning. We welcome you here to be among your people. And Lord, we celebrate you and we worship you in all that we do in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to talk about the wise men this morning. Uh, because the wise men, you know, of the Christmas story, they've, they've inspired songs and artwork and poems and plays. And, you know, every nativity set has a couple of wise men to go with the shepherds. Um, they have their own day on the Christmas, uh, on the Christian calendar. Uh, in fact, January 6th is the day called Epiphany. And it's the day that we celebrate the wise men finding Jesus. The the wise men are just, they're a big part of the fabric of the Christmas story. And, you know, as history often does, you know, over the centuries, some rather sort of, I would say, fantastic traditions have evolved concerning them. You might even call these sort of legends. Uh, the most common being that these men were kings. Uh, legends have it, again, that the three were, one was named Balthazar, who was the king of Arabia, one was Melchior, who was king of Persia, and one was Gaspar, the king of India. Uh, but other traditions actually say that they have their ruler over other places. Some say they were from China, others from Africa. There's even one uh, Ethiopian in the 1500s um, who claimed to be a descendant of the wise men, one of the kings. Uh, others have claimed to trace the lineage of Genghis Khan to the wise men of well, as well. I'm not sure how that connection is made. But the explorer, Marco Polo, actually claimed to have found their tomb in modern-day Iran. But you know what? No one really knows. So what can we really truly, absolutely know about the wise men for certain that doesn't have sort of all of this legend attached to it? Well, all we really know about these wise men is basically what is written here in the Gospel of Matthew. And that really isn't very much. Uh, the wise men, they seem to kind of show up out of nowhere and just as suddenly they, they disappear and they're gone and they're never heard from again. So we ask these questions. We might ask like, well, how, ma how many wise men were there? Well, we don't know. Uh, there was at least two because it's plural, but, you know, most commonly we say three because there was three gifts. But some church traditions say there were seven. Others say there was 12. There could have been more. There could have been less. We don't know. Or how long did their journey take? Again, we can't say with any degree of certainty. Months probably certainly took a long time to get anywhere back then. Years, you know, even probably probably years too. This would have been a big journey. You know, in fact, the only clue about how long uh, is offered when, you know, because Herod killed all the children in Bethlehem two years and younger in accordance to when the star appeared. We don't know where they came from. Uh, it's mostly likely they came from regions of, of Persia or Babylon. But again, all that we're told is they were from the east. So the Bible says they, they are from that away. Like that's, that's, that's as much clue as you get, you know. Uh, but I think the biggest question of all that we might even ask about the wise men is we don't know if they were even wise. Because <laughs> the word that the Bible uses to describe them is the term magi. And maybe you've heard that before, but magi is a word that actually means magician. Uh, it was a term that was used to describe 
a very highly educated class, class of intellectual men, usually from Persia. And these men, these magicians, actually just, they served as advisors to kings and rulers in that part of the world. Uh, they were, yeah, they were advisors to kings. But you know what? Highly educated doesn't always mean wise. Uh, the old saying goes, intellect knows that the tomato is a fruit. Wisdom knows not to put it in a smoothie. Like that's, there's a difference between those two things. Because one of the things we do know about the wise men from the Bible is that they were active practitioners of astrology. Uh, they looked to the skies, you know, uh, for, for omens and for signs and hints about the future. They, they, you know, they basically, they got up in the morning, they read their horoscopes, and they made their life's decisions accordingly and told others to do so as well. And that really doesn't sound very wise at all. In fact, it sounds kind of crazy. So why did we start calling these guys wise men? Well, I think there's probably two good reasons. First reason is that it's, simply, it's, it's nicer than calling them a bunch of magical horoscope junkies um, because that just is sort of weird. But the second reason is much more important for us today. Because of all the things that these magis may have gotten right or wrong in their lives, we do know that they got one thing very right. Because these magi were seeking Jesus. We're told they were seeking the Messiah. They were seeking the king who had been born, and they did not stop until they found him. And you know what? Even if we don't know anything else about these guys, these magi truly were wise men because their goal was to seek out Christ. Because in the end, that's the wisest thing any person can ever do. The Bible even says when it comes to wisdom, in places like Proverbs, Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge of the Holy One is insight. You know, the very foundation of biblical wisdom is knowing the truth of who God is and seeking Him with your life. And, you know, as we prepare our hearts, each one of us, to, you know, this week to celebrate Christmas, my prayer would be that we would do it as wise men and wise women. Wise in the choices we make, wise in the things that we do, but more than any of those things, I hope that we'll be wise because like these old, wise men of old, we'll be wise because we're seeking Christ as our first priority in our lives. And as we do that, uh, as we look at this passage as well, we find there are several important lessons that the wise men can teach us about seeking the Savior. And I, I think it's probably safe to say that any pastor who's been in ministry for more than a couple of years, we've probably all preached some version of a wise men seek Jesus sermon. Uh, it's just, you know, it's Christmas, we do it. Uh, this one's mine. This is, so, you know, I've, I've actually preached a lot of this before. So some of these things I may have probably shared with you before uh, over the years. But in looking at this passage, again, I find there's six things, six steps that we can all take to be wise in the way that we live, especially at Christmas when it comes to seeking Christ. And the first lesson uh, for us is found in the first verses of our passage, Matthew 2. Verses 1 and 2, where we're told, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star 
when it rose, and we have come to worship him. The first lesson actually we learn about the wise men about finding Jesus is that God is the one who's actually taking the initiative right from the very beginning. And this is important for us to understand. That even before we think we begin seeking God, God has already been reaching out to us. Because God is not a reluctant God. God is a welcoming God. A God who desires for people, all peoples, to come to him. You know, he's not making himself hard to find. He's a God who is actively searching and seeking out peoples who will come to know him. Uh, Francis Thomas called him the hound of heaven. Cecil Murphy called him the God who pursues. You know, God chases us. That's a wonderful image. He pursues a relationship with us with a tenacity and a persistence that we can actually hardly imagine. And we see that in this passage because we're told God announces a star. He sends a star to the wise men to announce the birth of Jesus. And that star has become, you know, just such a well-known part of the Christmas story. Like C is for the Christ child, S is for the star, right? But it, sometimes it's so familiar that we overlook just how extremely odd it was that God would send a star to announce Jesus' birth. And you know, I admit, I have no idea what form this star took. Back then, any light in the sky, they would call a star. The theories have it that some say it's a comet, some a supernova, some an alignment of the planets and specific constellations. Some people think it's completely supernatural, like it was an angel, as Pastor Mark said last week, the glory of God himself. And yet, no matter what this star was, what I want you to think about is how strange it was and what a bizarre way it was to announce the birth of the king of the Jews. Because Jews were not known to be stargazers. In fact, for them, astrology or anything even resembling astrology was an absolute no-no. The Bible outright forbids it. Astrology was considered a form of divination. And it was described as an abomination before the Lord in the book of Deuteronomy. Looking for a sign in the sky was actually the kind of thing a Jewish person could get killed for doing. And yet God sends a star in the heavens for men to see. So why would he do that? Well, I think the very simple answer to that question was that God was looking to reach the whole world with this message of a Savior. That the child born would not just be a Savior for the Jews. Jesus would, would be a Savior for all the people. He was a Savior whose hope would know no boundaries, no borders. He was a Savior to the kind of people the Jews would even look to and say, they're not part of us. Those guys have got it wrong. Those guys don't belong. Those guys are weirdies. And yet God sends them a star because he's saying, I'm inviting you to come. God took the initiative to let the whole world know, even some who would be considered outsiders, that a Savior had been born. And you know, God reaches out to people in all kinds of ways. He wants to get their attention. You know, Moses, he spoke in a burning bush. Isaiah had a vision in the temple. Joseph, he spoke to in a dream. To Nineveh, God sent a prophet. And God reached the wise men through their study of the stars. Because a very important truth for all of us to hear is that God makes an effort to make himself known to us. 
He always takes the first step to reach out. God is looking for ways to get people's attention, and he's inviting people to seek him out. He takes the initiative in pursuing a relationship with all mankind. And a wise man knows that God is the one who is seeking us long before we start seeking him. And that's where the journey of faith really begins for these wise men. And that's uh, where we learn the second lesson from these wise men. And that's wise men choose to live by faith. And I'll be honest with you, until I sort of began to really study this passage a few years ago, I always, in my head, I guess, kind of imagined the wise men's travels from the east as is kind of, just, it's like a wacky road trip, right? Like, just there's like a bunch of really old, you know, bored, rich guys who are like, hey man, do you want to go see what this star thing's all about? It was like, you know, agent day road trip full of hijinks and good times and oh, we'll grab some snacks and we'll hop on a camel and we'll just turn up the radio and, you know, hit the open road, see where it takes us. Like, but you know what? I never really considered what the wise men did as a journey of faith. That it was something that made them step outside of their comfort zone. Something that put them in a place where they had to trust God to lead them without knowing where they were going. But can you imagine sort of what their neighbors or friends might, what their reaction might have been to the news that they're going to take this journey? You know, maybe other magi showed up, you know, to see them off. And they asked, like, you know, I see you're planning a trip. They're like, yeah, like, where are you going? We're not sure. You know, do you have a map? It's like, no, we're, we're going to follow a star. You know, well, how far is it going to be? It's like, we don't know how, that either. Like, you know, what are you going to find when you get there? We don't know, like, what we're going to find when we get there. Like, you look at them, like, 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 for a bunch of wise men, you guys don't know a lot of the details of this thing going on. For the wise men, this would have been a journey into the unknown. So what would prompt them? You know, to leave the comforts of their own home, to go on what would be a very dangerous journey. What would lead this bunch of highly educated men to, you know, leave their jobs and go trekking halfway across the world to see something that might not even be real? What would lead some of the most wealthy and powerful men in the world at that time to a place where they would bow down and worship the newborn child of a peasant girl? Well, the only answer to those questions that I can find is that they had faith that God was at work. And they chose to trust God, even with so many unknowns. And you know, they probably said the same kind of things about Abraham when he left his home to go to the promised land. They probably said the same kind of things about Noah when he started building the ark. They probably said the same kind of things about Peter and Andrew and James and John when they left their fishing nets to become followers of Jesus. But you know what? None of those people were crazy. They weren't insane. They weren't out of their minds. They were men of faith. And despite risks and unknowns, they chose to believe that God was up to something. And they chose to follow him where he led. And the wise men chose to trust in God and live by faith. That's the second lesson we learn. But how did that faith help them lead the wise men to Jesus? Well, they had a little help along the way, which we can see back to our passage in verse 3. It says, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, in Bethlehem of Judah, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least among the rulers of Judah, 
For from you shall come a ruler who will, be my, who will shepherd my people, Israel. And maybe you'll remember you know, this scene from a few weeks ago. King Herod, you know, he calls his advisors together and he asks, where is the Christ, the Messiah, going to be born? And to find that answer, these priests and these scribes, they study the scriptures and they open up the word of God. And they actually quote from the book of Micah to tell them, the prophets say, in Bethlehem, in Judah. And here's the third lesson that the wise men teach us about finding Jesus. And that's that wise men seek the truth about Jesus in the Bible. Because you know what? Even with all of their knowledge and education and a star to guide them, the wise men still needed their ultimate answers about Jesus to come from the Word of God. And you know what? The same is true here today. The Word of God is still where Christ is revealed to us most clearly. If you want to discover the truth of who Jesus is, you will find the answers in the pages of the Bible before you. Because it's the Word of God where, the, where Christ is truly found. And I think, you know, some of the best ways to get our heart ready for Christmas this time of year is to spend time in the Word of God. And just reading through the accounts, you know, the gospel writers give us of how Christmas happened. Spending time in the Word every day will, will reveal Jesus to us. Because wise men seek the truth about Jesus in the Word of God. But you know what? Simply knowing that truth was not enough for them. As we see our passage continues in verse 7. It says, Then Herod, he summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. And after listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And you know, there's a lot of, again, stuff going on in these verses, but what I want you to notice here is that the wise men did not stop until they found the newborn king. They persevered until Jesus had been found. And you know, that likely, again, was not easy. Because seeking Christ even in our lives today, is something that takes perseverance. And it took that for them as well, the wise men. A man named J.R. Rice wrote about the wise men saying that the wise men may have traveled many months to get to Jerusalem and perhaps years after that just to find Jesus. It would have cost them a small fortune for the journey, for animals, food, accommodations, as well as the gifts they offered. And they had to travel around deserts and through unsafe territories and all of this when camel power was the fastest mode of travel. And you know what? I'm sure that in all of that time that they were on the road, I'm sure there would have been some very miserable days. You know, days going through deserts, you're hungry, you're thirsty, you're tired. Days when they wondered, man, is this really all worth it? We've been gone from home so long. You know, days when they thought, you know what? Maybe we just imagined it all. You know what? I don't see that star now. Like, what? Is it just in our heads? And there would have been many days in that journey when it, was just, it probably felt like it was just easier to pack it all up and just go back home. And yet the wise men persevere. They don't turn back. They don't give up. They keep going until Christ has been found. And you know, the lesson here for us is even today, there are a lot of times in our Christian walk where we feel it might just be easier to grow content. There's times when hardships come or disappointments and you know what? You're going to feel like 
just throw it in the towel. There's times when we struggling, you know, with our faith. We wonder, you know, is it all just really worth it? Wouldn't it be just easier to give up and go home? But here it again, seeking Christ and finding Christ means never giving up and never growing content and always persevering. It's that wonderful verse in Jeremiah 29, 13, where God says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. The journey to finding Jesus is a journey of perseverance. And as we heard, the, the wise men perseverance, it pays off. And we read in verse 10, that when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child and Mary his mother, and they fell down and they worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. So this is the moment when at last the wise men see Jesus. They see this promise of God made flesh. They see the hope of God in the form of a baby. They see the king that they have traveled so far to find. And looking at this passage as a whole, you know, I think one of the most interesting things this passage, Matthew 2, uh, really does is it really just shows three very different responses to the news of Jesus' birth. Because this first response is that of Herod. And he's troubled. He was afraid uh, that Jesus would take his place as a king. And you know, there's still people here today who fear Jesus. Because they fear up giving up control of their lives. And then there's a second response in this passage. It's that of the priests and the scribes, which was a response of indifference. And for me, this has always been a head-scratcher because, you know, these wise men come from, you know, from a faraway land to Jerusalem and say, the Messiah's been born, guys. We need to know where he is. The one that all Israel has been waiting for, you know, tell us where we can go look for him. And, and the, the priests and the scribes, they open up the Bible and they look and they say, he's going to be born in Bethlehem. And then they just close their Bibles and go back to work. They don't seek him out at all. Bethlehem was a six-mile walk from, from Jerusalem. Those scribes could have like left in the morning and been back by supper, even if they had a little bit of curiosity about what happened. But they just couldn't be bothered. Hearts of indifference. Because of the news of the Savior, it made no difference to their day-to-day -day lives. But then we have the wise men. You know, the ones in this passage who probably had the least reason to be seeking Christ in the first place. And yet their response was the one that was best of all. They worship and bow down before the king. They worship because their hearts needed to respond just to the greatness of God and what he had done. They worship because they had to acknowledge the good news of great joy that will be for all people in Christ. They worship because they know that they have found their true king. And the fifth lesson the wise men have to teach us is simply that the proper response to finding our Savior is to worship Him. They bow down before Jesus and they offer Him their gifts. Gifts that were the best that money could buy. And I guess that raises for a question for me in all of this. And I'm going to share it with you. And that's simply in your worship. What are you giving to Jesus? What, in your life, what are you willing to offer, willing to sacrifice? What are you willing to present to the King of Kings? 
Because we too should be offering Jesus Christ nothing but the best. The best of our time, the best of our service, the best of our attitude, the best of our devotion. We are to offer Christ our best in everything. In fact, the greatest gift, the greatest sacrament, the greatest worship that we can give God is to offer Him ourselves. Romans 12, verse 1, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. That should be an example to all of us. As the wise men offered to this newborn king their very best in worship, we should do the same and offer Christ ourselves. But we're still not done yet because I think the wise men have one more lesson that they really need to teach us. And that's found in the final verse of our passage, verse 12. That says, And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. And you know, you know, the wise men, I think, they could have very easily thought about the power and the prestige and the wealth that Herod would have offered them for information that would have led to the death of Jesus. And yet, they didn't betray Christ. And we're told they went home a different way. And I know this is probably stretching a little bit what the Bible passage is telling us here, but I would suggest to you that in many ways, the same thing should happen to us after we've met Christ. That after we have met our Savior, our lives should go in a different direction. One pastor put it, he says, that is what happens when we walk into the presence of God. We become changed. That is what happened to the wise men when they encountered Christ. They were changed. When people meet Jesus, they should leave him differently than when they came. We should be changed by the experience. Because everybody is who meets God. I mean, Jacob wrestled with God. He never walked the same for the rest of his life. Isaiah stepped into the presence of God and proclaimed, Woe to me, for I am undone. And he was never the same again. John, you know, he saw the resurrected Christ and fell down as though dead in his presence. And Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed. Behold, the new has come. No one remains the same who truly worships the, the King. All of us are changed, you know, as we kneel before Christ, kneel our lives to Him and surrender. It's the kind of change that brings new life brings a new destiny, brings a new identity, brings a new eternity. And it's a change that brings joy. You know, one of my favorite verses uh, actually is in this passage, verse 10. It says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. That's a lot of joy that the author there is trying to explain to us. The Amplified Version says, when they saw it, they were thrilled with ecstatic joy. The Living Bible says, their joy knew no bounds. This is not like, yay, I just found a free parking spot at the mall at Christmas time kind of joy. Like that's, that's good, but it's not this good. This is eternal joy, lasting joy, meaningful, life changes, purpose-giving, overflowing, abundant, unending kind of joy that only comes from finding Christ. And the wise men were changed after they found Jesus. And those are the lessons that the wise men teach us. And that's why I think we can truly call these magi wise men. Because it wasn't their education or their riches or their power or their university degrees or anything else. The wise men were wise because they responded to God's invitation to seek out Jesus. 
The wise men were wise because they were willing to walk in faith. The wise men were wise because they looked for Christ in the right place, the Word of God. The wise men were wise because they persevered in seeking Jesus. The wise men were wise because they worshiped Jesus. And the wise men were wise because after meeting Jesus, their lives went in a new direction. And that's, I think, a message that needs to penetrate deep into our lives, especially at Christmas. Because, you know, every Christmas, so many people, they just kind of go through the motions. Yeah, it's Christmas, but I got so much to do. I don't really have time to think about all that Jesus stuff. You know, many people know that Christmas is celebrating something, but many of those people don't even take the time to find out what. And maybe they hear the words of a Christmas carol on the radio, but to them it's just songs about a baby whose gift of salvation they don't really understand. Because that baby in a manger remains a stranger in their lives that they never bother to seek out. I know even for those of us here in church on Sunday morning before Christmas, those of us who know the truth of Christ in Christmas, we can still face that danger of getting so busy and so distracted and so wrapped up in other things that we miss the point of Christmas. Because Christmas is not a holiday that we celebrate you know, once a year and then pack up in a box for 11 months of the year. Christmas is a truth that we should be living out every day of our lives. The truth that the Savior has come and that He's still here and is still waiting for men and women to seek Him out. So my advice to you this morning, be willing to receive Him. Be willing to worship Him. Be willing to make Christ your own. Because Jesus is who we need to know. He's where we need to go. He's a Savior we need to follow. He's the life we need to imitate, the goal to which we move. He's the Savior who gives us life, the God that we serve. He's the one who is worthy of our all in all. Jesus is, you know, whose birth we celebrate at Christmas. That's who he is. And that's the Jesus who the wise men and wise women will seek out in their lives. They'll seek him personally and passionately and persistently. And they'll seek him until he's found and that we are, until we're truly changed. So let us enter into Christmas with wisdom, being wise people who seek Christ so that we may enter into worship before our King, offering him our very lives as an offering to him. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for Christmas and the news that the Savior has been born. And that, Lord, he's not just been born to be the King of the Jews, but to be the Savior of people everywhere. And, Lord, that news was proclaimed throughout the world in the old days, through star in the sky, uh, through, you know, apostles who, who took that message all over the world and Lord, I pray that that would be a message that even in our own lives here today would be upon our lips, especially at the Christmas season, that we would find the opportunity to share the good news of Christmas with the people around us in our lives. Because, Lord, you are a God who reaches out, desires to reach out and have a relationship with all people. And, Lord, you sent your Son to be our Savior. He was born in a manger to die on the cross so that we could be forgiven so that we could have that relationship with you. And Lord, I pray that our hearts would not respond with fear or indifference, but Lord, our hearts would respond to that news with worship. 
And that, Lord, we would be wise people because, Lord, we would be seeking Christ in our lives. And that, Lord, we would offer you in all things our very best, even our very selves, uh, which is an offering worthy of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And, Lord, these days before Christmas, as I said, pray that you would make us all wise men and all wise women because all of us would be seeking Christ. And that truly is the wisest thing anyone can ever do. We ask this and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Mark. And we're going to.